your politics. Hello and welcome to the first episode of a new podcast. This will be based on the same format as our original podcast, Impressions of America, except this will be Impressions of America Politics, which is basically just a sister podcast. So rather than talking about American history, we instead will be talking about American contemporary politics. I'm Simon, and with me as always is Toby. Hi, Toby. Hi, Simon. This episode will centre on Tucker Carlson, the Fox News host who used his platform to talk about American capitalism, societal ills, and how American leadership is failing the people. We have a, a short clip here. Anyone who thinks the health of a nation can be summed up in GDP is an idiot. The goal for America is both simpler and more elusive than mere prosperity. It's happiness. There are a lot of ingredients in being happy. Dignity, purpose, self-control, independence, above all, deep relationships with other people. Those are the things that you want for your children. They're what our leaders should want for us and would want if they cared, but our leaders don't care. We are ruled by mercenaries who feel no long-term obligation to the people they rule. They're day traders, substitute teachers. They're just passing through. They have no skin in this game and it shows. They can't solve our problems. They don't even bother to understand our problems. One of the biggest lies our leaders tell us is that you can separate economics from everything else that matters. Economics is a topic for public debate. Family and faith and culture, meanwhile, those are personal matters. Well, that gives you a taste of what Tucker uh, talked about during his monologue. Other points of interest uh, for Carlson included the unfair tax code, the dangers of a society where women earn more than men, and the evils of marijuana and big business getting rich from selling it to the public. Carlson's attack on those at the top of society has spread throughout the internet, creating articles, podcasts, and videos from all sides of the political spectrum, culminating in Toby and I now talking about it, which I'm sure was uh, Tucker's ultimate aim in all of this. (laughs) Uh, Toby, what are your initial thoughts on this monologue, and how credible do you think Tucker Carlson is at being the voice of the impoverished working man? I mean, my initial thoughts on this monologue just from sort of surveying conservative media um, in general is that there seems to be them finally reacting to the the Trump critique. You know, Trump seemed to suggest that the economy wasn't working for uh, working people and um, Republicans, although they, they were against you know, sort of a lot of Obama's policies, have felt that the um, economic policies that that have been pushed forth and the sort of the importance of finance were were pretty good for Americans over over the last thirty years and then Tucker seems to I mean to almost out of I mean it's, it's strange he has been on a populist bent you know in some ways on on because he replaced he replaced below Wiley but now he see and he seemed to be on a populist bent that was focused much more on immigrants and uh, sort of um, trying to sort of make him immigrants seem to be evil and and trying to make the um, working class audience that he has you know, turn against them. He seems to now have centered an an economic message as well, an economic message that that I seem 
that I feel um, finally sort of engages with the Trump campaign, even though Trump hasn't been like this in his administration. But any message that might not necessarily be credible because it's coming from Tucker Carlson, who during, I mean, throughout his his whole career has just been a, what should I say, almost like a prawn sandwich, um, <laughs> yacht clubbing uh, sort of Northeastern Republicans. It, it, it is, I think it is, in many ways, it is a reflection of the times in a way that most Fox News television shows, certainly the O'Reilly factor wasn't. But it, but there is a, there is a sense in which that I'm I'm still not not really sure where Tucker is coming from. Although Tucker did write about some of these issues in his um, book Ship of Fools, which does seem to be a, you know a, a sort of populist approach to conservative politics. That I mean that 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 seems to reflect the Trump campaign. Yeah. One of the things that Tucker talks about in his monologue is, well, it used to be the case that, you know, things used to fall apart for black people in Detroit. And we can kind of understand that because they were black people in Detroit. But now there's white working class people out in a farm who are suffering. So something must be really needing to change now. And you mm-hmm. go, well, yeah, that's great, Tucker. But why why are you suddenly taking interest now that it's, it's white farmers that are failing rather than people in inner cities? And, you yeah, know, yeah. He, I mean, t- I, Tucker does seem to engage with that himself. He's been on sort of the a media um, relations trail with with his book Ship of Fools, and, and he's been talking to people about. You know, I looked at communities in Detroit, say, you know, in the in the nineteen nineties, where when he was um, sort of, oh, and in the, in the early two thousands. When he was at MSNBC or when he was at Policy Review, and he would go to these towns, and, he, and what he would see was a cultural problem, yeah. And that yeah. over the last twenty years, because these same quote cultural problems, which I mean, he seems to see them now as just um, sort of um, problems of opportunity, have affected white working class people and so now it's it's an issue when it hadn't been an issue before i think um tucker carlson used to write stories about oh how um there was this like there used to be like elite dc schools that run by um african-americans but once once um this the city started to push more civil civil rights legislations um, the, the, those elite um, African-American schools started to sort of be diluted. But you can see this is a writer who wrote, you know, completely about cultural issues, did not necessarily see economics as a big factor. This was just, a, you know, a, a, a typical Amer- uh, conservative bootstrap writer. Now yeah. he's gone on to write about how, you know, it's the economics. And, he, and he, he's even talked about that he's read uh, Elizabeth Warren's newest book, which centers yeah. um, the economics, uh, economic issues uh, to do with the family 
as a big policy point. And, and, and you could see that, I mean, not just for Tucker Carlson, but for other people like Tucker Carlson, it, it doesn't really hit home until it becomes an issue for white people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, he talks in the monologue about how the the breakdown of marriage is a huge part of of why you know there are these uh, social and uh, economic issues. Mm-hmm. You know, everything from you know men can't get raises, so women are earning more, so women don't want to marry men, so therefore the traditional family is broken down, which leads to which leads to. Uh, children being born out of wedlock you know and then suddenly it's drug abuse and it's you know people turning into porn stars and that kind of you know it, it's the mm-hmm. f- very traditional kind of breakdown of the family unit causes the breakdown of america you know it's a very kind of uh tried and tested method of, of conversation um for, mm-hmm. the, for the right i think yeah I, I think if we didn't have tucker carlson's back history on this and he was just some person who came out of nowhere it would perhaps be easier to take this as you know someone seeing the light that oh they're you know from the right wing but you know now they understand a bit more of the plight of the working man and you know poverty isn't just some sort of personal responsibility some personal failure you know you're mm-hmm. poor because it's your own fault or because you were listening to the supremes rather than going out earning a job you know, <laughs> it, 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 it's now oh there's an economic reason why that's the case and it's like, well, yeah, okay, the, the, that's not nothing new. I mean, like, we knew this, Tucker, you know, it is it is kind of like, you know, we'd be patting him on the head for, you know, figuring out how to get <laughs> the street, to the Supremes. You know? Yes, it, it's, it's like, well, you know, there are, you know, if, if you're, if you grew up poor and you're in a poor working neighborhood and you don't get the, the kind of breaks and advantages that people above you get, it's very hard to break out of that cycle of, you know, of not being you know it's very difficult to to break free of that and you know in the past it was just well you know that was the inner city problem you know just don't go to detroit and you won't see it and everything will be okay but mm-hmm. now it's you know it's farmer joe and farmer joe isn't getting his uh getting his money well we must start looking at this you know it's 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 difficult to take tucker carlson seriously on anything but tucker carlson having some sort of you know ethical breakthrough when it comes to uh, people of color and you know it's just yeah <laughs> it, it's it is a difficult one to take hold of and i think what's even more difficult to fully understand is it would it would appear the more sort of socialist leaning left of american politics is now sort of getting into bed at least to some degree with the uh, populism of right-wing america as you kind of touched on we we had ann coulter uh, tweeting an agreement with uh, the plans to tax the rich at 70 or 80 percent and you're going well mm-hmm. i didn't quite expect dan coulter to be coming out here as the voice of reason and you know <laughs> it, it we're suddenly in an odd position where it's it's uh it's ann coulter plus socialism equals win i mean i'm not sure how we quite got to that uh mathematical breakthrough but there we go um <laughs> just, yeah yeah just, yeah i do I, I do think that um I don't know, Anne Coulter as well, I, I do think that she's that she's much more transparent. I think that is just um, politically expedient for her in the moment to say something like that. Absolutely. You only have to look at, you know, she wrote a book about how much she backed Trump and now she's 
tweeting all the time that she doesn't back Trump. I don't know whether or not she can just smell the winds of incarceration for him or whether or not it's just, it's, an, you know, if there are so many people on the right talking about how great Trump is, if he can stand up against him, maybe it gives you more time on air. I, I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. But just getting back to our friend Tucker, uh, friend of the show, long time listener, first time caller, Tuck, Tucker mm -hmm. Carlson. Uh, why do you think this particular monologue became so popular? Because it has kind of spread throughout the internet and all, all across the world as kind of, here's a man we should be listening to, isn't this really interesting? Whether or not you agree or disagree, there's been both sides to this, but he has really been uh, really been given attention as a result of this. I think it's, it's attractive kind of attention because of who it is. Uh, and because of the the medium that uh, he he said it on, you know, he he took over the O'Reilly Factor, which was always the sort of the biggest prime time show on Fox News, and he's taken it over, and he's taken it in, in a sort of um, well, O'Reilly was much more sort of like very unfunny um, boomer. Tucker is, I think, much more sort of he he much he understands the the, the political currents um, and the way they've changed much more than than O'Reilly does. But but as an institution, um, Fox News is not built for critiquing free market ideas, and this is someone on Fox News who gave you in those fifteen minutes like almost like a Howard Beale. Um, you know, sort of firebrand uh, Jeremiah about the American values and then how the, the corporate capitalism and, and and consumerism that provides us a lot of stuff is not necessarily both good for um, American happiness and, and and American well-being. This is why, and also, it's it's sort of it created a debate even within. The conservative movement. So, um, on at the National Review, writers like say David French have, you know, it it because it is because some people so rarely attack free market ideas. They've had to come out and give defenses of um, their ideas in the Trump era, and I, and I feel like this this had been coming because of the way. Trump framed his campaign because I mean, like Trump was different from you know the, the rest of the clown car that they had in 2016 because it, well he essentially said I'm I'm going to protect um I'm going to protect uh, Medicare Medicaid I'm going to um he he also said I'm I'm going to stop all of these wars so you know like this was a populist ca campaign. That um, was was different from the the what people like uh, Ted Cruz and obviously, obviously what Marco Rubio was offering and but but because Trump was just speaking in in quite guttural um, feelings and in, in, in quotes he never really challenged conservative orthodoxy and obviously like as we have seen through the tenure of um, Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell in the Senate, they haven't really done anything. They've, they've done in many ways the opposite of what Trump was talking about on the campaign trail forever 
in um, 2016. So, but eventually, I think because of the way, you know, just the, the socioeconomic times have changed, um, sort of as, as Tucker Carlson really gets to, I mean, um, wages for middle class, I mean, the American middle class, which is, um, which is almost, <laughs> which Americans almost seem to feel is, is everyone, but is, is really sort of a, a few percentiles in, on, in the income scale has really stagnated while um, in the top 10% and definitely in the top, well, top 10% is really sort of um, gone up a little bit and the top 1% has taken up most of the income gains in the last 30 years. And especially since um, uh, 09 and the financial crisis and, and, and the Obama recovery. So a lot of those people, um, especially some young people, um, they haven't really had, especially young people who are conservative, they, they haven't really had a mouthpiece for what's really going on in their lives. So this is why people are attracted to, to this. And this is also why people in the conservative party now have to sort of talk about it and um, try to defend free market ideas from Tucker Carlson's new populism. Yeah, I, I do find it interesting that Tucker almost is sort of laying the, the groundwork again for sort of Trump 2020, where Trump in 2016 talked very heavily about, you know, protecting, you know, the working class and, you know, f- farmers. And it you see a lot of tweets now by people going, I voted for Trump in 2016 and, you know, I've basically lost everything and never again. And yeah. it, it almost feels as if Tucker Carlson's kind of going, yeah, we agree with you. Yeah, capitalism is bad. Yeah, but you don't want any of these Democrats. Yeah, okay, well, well let's just stick with Trump, see what see what happens after the break. And it, it's, it's very difficult to distinguish what Tucker Carlson might genuinely feel as a person, uh, you know, whether or not he does... Ha- whether or not he does actually think that you know certain certain aspects of capitalism are bad, and whether or not you know I don't know whether or not he has human feelings, and how much he is doing this purely as a business decision. And whenever you hear these types of people talking, it's always worth remembering. It's not like two people down a pub spilling out their honest feelings about things. You know, these are professionals. These are people saying these things for a reason. You know, just mm-hmm. as we talked about Anne Coulter, you know. She talks because she knows what to say to get people to talk about her and how to get her books published. You know, not necessarily that she believes in everything that she says. Mm-hmm. With Tucker, it is kind of like, you know, Bill Riley was kind of like being shouted at by your dad. Tucker Carlson, yeah. Tucker Carlson is a bit more like your frat frat brother kind of thing. Like, you know, he probably did, you know, do. 10 beers and drink a keg upside down and all the rest of that stuff, you know, 20 years ago. And mm-hmm. now he's just kind of naturally moved on to, you know, I don't know, being the voice of sort of semi-socialism. Is that the next step for a frat bro? I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Carson seems to come out of that sort of milieu of like Gen X drunks that, um, Brett Kavanaugh came out of. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, so he is a country club Republican, um, in, in many ways, and it, this is a very massage um, outlook. And also, I mean, I mean, you could say what you want about, you know, what Trump said and what Carlson is saying. 
the Republican Party as an institution and the uh, arithmetic in the Senate and the um, House of Representatives isn't going to bring in the politicians that are going to change policy with regards to lobbyists, um, the, the financial sector. Like, you know, he, he attacks Bain Capital here and, and Mitt Romney's um, sort of investment banking um, sort of policy and approach to American economics, but that there isn't anyone coming out of the Republican Party. There's certainly no one who was elected um, to the um, re-elected to the Senate in 2018 that is going to offer you know um, millennial conservative voters anything different. So I think maybe in some ways you could say that because it is so apparent that the that that they failed or that america the american economy isn't providing the life you know the, the white picket fence life that, that it once did for some people and because you know a, a, Trump attacked a sort of amorphous elite that includes both the Democrats and the Republicans. People like Ann Coulter and people like um, Tucker Carlson and just emphasize those kinds of arguments without really having anything changing in their pocketbooks when it comes to legislation on the Senate floor, you know. Absolutely, <laughs> One point that uh, Tucker Carlson makes, actually, in his monologue, he he says that the, the leaders that are, you know, making these decisions and are getting rich, they have no skin in the game. You know, these decisions don't personally affect them. Mm-hmm. And you could you could so easily say this say the same of Tucker Carlson. You know, mm-hmm. these policies don't affect Tucker Carlson. He was he was fine before he gave his speech, and he's going to be fine after you know next week. You know, it, it I mean, yeah, he's he's running against the Beltwater DC elite. You know, such an easy target as well. Who yeah. who live? They li- you know Hunter Thompson always said that, that obviously there's the belt way that you know most of DC is African Americans and. And, you know, and he made that point that in the Beltway, they live, you know, almost like um, in an Elysium away from you know, the, the real people of, of, the, of the city. And it, um, Tucker Carlson is, is no different. He, he's involved in all the private clubs in the city and his kids go to all the private schools in the city. So like them, he you know he doesn't have the skin in the game he's he's he's, he's railing against these these kinds of elites but you know he, he is just like them but then i guess on the uh, counterpoint is is to say that you know most american politicians and journalists are always going to come from that class you know, you know whatever point they're trying to make but i guess because tucker carlson um is a republican in 2000, or well, is Republican in the last 50 years, then, you know, you, you become much more incredulous about what he's trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think projecting forward, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to know at this point how important Tucker Carlson actually is in the grand scheme of things. I mean, he mm-hmm. is, he has taken over Bill O'Reilly's slot, so you know that is important, and he is getting his message out there. 
whether or not he is actually some sort of trendsetter which will inform the next wave of, of you know junior republicans or whether or not he is you know simply just passing through and making his money and in 10 years time he'll i don't know just be off in his own world not really caring too much about this it, it's kind of hard to know how transient tucker carlson actually is and whether or not he is going to leave a lasting impact my suspicion would be that he will stick around and that even if his you know particular messages here and there kind of change his style of debate and his very pointed sort of semi-intellectual approach to all this will um it will resonate going forward with with the right and I, I i do think you know the you know he is very aggressive when it comes to taking down the libs which is just you know it's <laughs> it's it's such an easy he's, he's great at owning the libs so Own, he's, owning he's the libs that you know him and, today <laughs> ex- exactly him and ben shapiro are trying to yeah. talk but, you know shapiro's style is very robotic <laughs> and it's sort of dead-eyed. I, I, you know, I, I, I always had a problem with how, you know, like we, you know, we did, we did an episode of, about Buckley on our Impressions of America, and Shapiro doesn't really have charisma or personality. He's a robot, and people, people that young people seem to like that. You know, it makes me feel very sort of. Um, isolated from my my, my fellow uh, generation in many ways, and I think Tucker Carlson maybe is in the middle of as as a um, just as a rhetorician, or he seems to be at the in the middle of that those two kinds of styles. Um, yeah, but I think I want to make a historical point though when I think about what Tucker Carlson is doing, because in Ship of Force, he seems to suggest that he's he's trying to be, or he's trying to think like Theodore Roosevelt thought. Mm-hmm. And Theodore Roosevelt, um, who became president in, um, after McKinley got shot in the very, very early 20th century, what he saw is he saw that there there was an industrial revolution, and although Americans had been you know sort of like the um, the best fed, the richest, um, they had the best nutrition in the world. The industrial revolution had had brought in, even though it brought prosperity, had been brought a lot of suffering for working class people. And what it meant is that you needed a new a new kind of government. But the rhetoric. That he used sort of um, took a lot of the populist, um, all the populist movements that were happening in the 1890s, and then and galvanized it and used it in order to bring the country together. And I think Tucker Carlson had has made some allusions to this. He he seems to feel that um, that. The revolution we're going through through technology, uh, definitely AI, things like the way um, trucking is going to be all automatic, um, things like sort of how service sectors are going to be, which which are the main um, recruiters and employers of working class or people without college degrees today are going to be replaced by AI. 
um, the emphasis on coding today, the things that have isolated a lot of, of people are potentially like the Industrial Revolution, changing um, a lot of the way that um, working class people or people in general react to the economy. He seems to feel that a new nationalism, a nationalism that he presents in his, his speech, and he seems to feel that Trump um, pr- presents as well, is, is the way forward to today. And like I've sort of talked about when, when it comes to um, the Republicans in the House and the Senate, that I don't really see that coming through politically. Although, it, you know, you go, you look at his speech, you look at the comments, it does seem to be popular with all of the very angry teenagers um, and on the YouTube comment section. I don't, and it, and it, it has, admittedly, it has created a, a, a sort of backlash and then um, some sort of argument within the conservative literary sphere. I don't know if that is the politics. And, and, and in many ways, that's the politics that Steve Bannon is trying to present as well. But I don't know if, if um, it, it, it exists outside of their heads. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, try, I suppose trying to get a handle on where we are with Republicans right now, I suppose you as much have to kind of start with where America is going to be going in the next uh, few years and decades. And I think the point you touched on about this sort of new industrial revolution that is upon us with technology and automation going to be taking away so many of the jobs that, you know, we kind of had before, you know, we, we've already seen that with um, car manufacturing and how robots have, have replaced that. But, you know, you take that a step further with things like uh, the trucking industry and the revolution that's gone on there with uh, the technology that's already sort of implemented or has been implemented to do with how, how long truckers can drive for and the, the boxes in their, in their uh, vehicles which prevent them from going certain hours during the day. Mm-hmm. You know, when when we start projecting ahead and we get to the point where actually truck drivers themselves are just being replaced altogether and we will get to a point where it's just automated vehicles doing these long haul journeys, just as, you know, we, we project ahead and we see a lot of, um, you know, AI and automation replacing, you know, a whole sector of jobs that are, you know, safe now, but, you know, 30 years from now won't be. It's retail and trucking, isn't it? Those are two huge areas for employment for people without a college degree. I mean, I mean, truckers can earn up to what, like $60,000 potentially. Absolutely. You know, that's the difference between a family, you know, being on the breadline and, you know, being completely, you know, out of pocket and, you know, searching for government funding to living a you know a, a decent sort of respectable living and exactly you know you combine that with the fact that you know drone delivery and you know automated delivery you know even just for not just truck drivers but you know for small parcels that you could deliver door to door so that people can buy Amazon you know packages you know we are shifting more and more towards the people who are buying the Amazon purchases and the people who are delivering it but once the people stop delivering it and we get robots to do it instead and suddenly it's the the people who buy amazon packages 
the people who are the technology behind the people who deliver it and then suddenly it's the people who don't have any money at all and used to be the ones delivering the packages and it it's very easy to see in the coming years this uh rift only becoming larger in how we sort of look at american politics between you know trying to defend the the kind of uneducated you know uh, american who don't forget trump loves the uneducated you know he loves the uneducated he's told us many times that when it comes to you know uneducated people no one loves them more than trump mm-hmm. now trump will be long gone by then or he's theoretically he should be i suppose we'll see whether or not he does give up his powers in either 2020 or 2024 um but you know in the future we will you know and not too far away we will have this sort of chasm grow wider and deeper and what american politics looks like and what you know the gop and you know right wing you know talking heads start you know going on about then and what they project uh you know the problems to be and who who's to blame for them you know that that's a fascinating thing which you know if tucker carlson might be around for you know he might be the person who is you know telling people to burn their devices and you know down with automation and you know or he could be you know off in his boat you know having an automated robot sail it for him you know <laughs> it, it's 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 difficult as we talked about earlier you know without any skin on the game just how far tucker carlson is going to go into this and how you know, is he going to be someone who is, you know, even if he's kicked off Fox News, he's going to have his YouTube channel, isn't he? He's going to be screaming, you know, right wing conspiracy theories into the, you know, into the dark and into the void of space. Or is he just going to take his money and he's just going to have an easy life and he'll, you know, get on with being, you know, you know, a retired frat boy? I, I don't know, but it certainly does leave some interesting questions going forward as this technological revolution continues yeah exactly because like where where is the gop going to go i mean if you looked at um if you looked at elections with say pat buchanan and he was trying to push a sort of paleo conservative rhetoric he he obviously went against nafta and saw nafta as part of the reason why um sort of white working class people weren't making as much or went as successfully in the economy as they had been, but those kinds of um, those kinds of appeals were very sort of threadbare and didn't really move any kind of electorate, even within the Republican Party. Yeah, and now, but then you have Trump, who does a similar kind of thing. He obviously knows much less about the issues than Pat Buchanan. Did, but it, the but the actual ec- economics on the ground have shifted in a way where they have removed power away from um, away from sort of those kinds of roles that 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 people without a college degree could have to uh, knowledge focused industries, and so that electorate does have a real material need for politicians who can both um, sort of support their social prejudices when it comes to immigrants, um, their ignorance when it comes to recreational drugs, for example, like the stuff in uh, Carlson's speech, but it can also speak to their deep material needs, which 
Koch brothers back um, senators can't really. And like you say, like, what is Tucker Carlson going to do with this? Because he's he's written the Falls book, you know, which seems to suggest, which is very much unlike, because, I mean, people like, uh, if you listen to people like Ben Shapiro, or you've been listening to Anne Coulter for, over the years, you would think that the, the, the Democrats were, you know, were all like um, Cuban, um, Cuban revolutionary era uh, socialists, yeah? But Tucker Carlson is saying that actually the, the, the leaders of the Democratic Party are socially moderate and then sort of basically libertarians when it comes to the economy. That's, that's, that's a strange um, point that could be coming from a conservative who wants to, at the very least, frame the, the Democrats as lefties. So if this is the new, or if this is something that's, that's, that Tucker Carlson wants to take into the future, it will be fascinating to see the politicians that they come up with who will, you know, I guess, run in um, conservative districts um, th- throughout the South. I think in uh, places like Pennsylvania and, and, and Michigan, these kinds of politicians would be popular, but you know, is is the Republican Party as an institution going to allow these people to run? And and you know, I I certainly don't see that on the horizon. But I think we have to be fair to Tucker Carlson. I mean, more than any other conservative pundit, he seems to have diagnosed the issues that the um both technologically and uh, economically and socially that that people are going through and that's probably why it's been popular but it's also why you know i i yeah i i think it's still up in the air whether this is going to have an effect on um american politics sorry just taking it back to the, the monologue itself toby why do you think tucker carlson chose to do this now and why do you what do you think his strategic plan over the next sort of year and a bit as we look to the 2020 election is going to be do we think there's going to be more targeted off these things you know where he is perhaps going against the, the grain in a certain way or is this is this more of a one-off you know i don't really know because i can see tucker carlson carry on carrying on with you know being the great um, sort of owning the libs, uh, Tucker, that he's, he's been, um, so far by bring, you know, like he tends to bring in some people who don't know, um, sort of exactly what the issue is or whose arguments on a particular social issue um, are quite silly and, and sort of on on the outliers of left politics so he can make them look silly or, you know, bringing on um, people to discuss the immigrant issue in a very ignorant way. I mean, that that's this kind of stuff that he usually trades in and he could carry on just doing that. But then I've seen him on, you know, he, he recently had a debate with uh, Chank uh, Huger from PYT, 
and you know they talk about immigration obviously they were you know very much diametrically opposed but they seem to agree on different um policy issues even sometimes when it comes to to tax um so i don't know i i i Tucker as, you know, this, something is quite interesting, though, that Tucker went to the Nixon, um, the Nixon library, right? And he gave, uh, he gave a, a sort of talk about his book, Ship of Fools. And, you know, and, but then when he finished giving his talk, which was about elites, uh, you know, like, so those elites, their their social, um, you know, the elite social views, and then the economics that have inspired the Ship of Fools book. The questions that were asked him from the crowd of Republicans was just a lot of like free speech questions and owning the lib questions. I don't know if you know, like, especially with um, the sort of the type of person who would go to the Nixon Library or the type of person who would go to maybe a talk for a National Review or, you know, or things like that. I don't think those people are that interested in the economic part of his argument. They're interested in seeing liberals as hypocrites um, there's a lot of stuff in Ship of Fools about Hillary Clinton's daughter being someone who is a very little merit, who, you know, gained fancy degrees because of who she was and um, has gained the platform because of who she was. I mean, that's, that's red meat, you know, they love that kind of stuff. But I don't know if they're very much into on YouTube, you know, and in in the web, you know, pe- pe- young people, young young conservatives, you know, um, who have you know don't have maybe the the best economic effects seem to be galvanized by this. But I think the kinds of people in the Republican sort of sort of um, the ecosystem are much more interested in free speech, or you know, uh, free speech and sure uh, sharing on the lib type stuff. I think you're right. The, the free speech element, I think, is something which is very drawn to the, uh, especially the younger uh, Republican uh, viewers and uh, and tweeters. You know, the, the idea of it used to be the case that Republicans stood against, you know, sort of amoral people who, you know, were swearing and making crude jokes, and it was kind of like, you know, that's that's a Hollywood thing to do, you know, we're, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're better than that, you know, we're good Christian moral people, where it's kind of swung the other way now, where it's, you know, the Republican is kind of, well, I can say these things, and it's just boys being boys, and it's you know I don't need no fancy liberal telling me that I can't make a joke, you know, and it's it's you know in in the era of being woke and you know having to trying to figure out you know how to speak to someone and you know use the right uh, use the right vernacular, you know Republicans have gone right. Well, I'm just going to speak how I want. And- yeah, yeah, and I, I think um, sort of even from the sixties. 
um, sort of new left activists and people and liberals tried to emphasize, you know, free speech and being able to say what you want. And I think that all got into the the bloodstream culturally for everyone. But then they started thinking about, you know, like uh, the importance of maybe, you know, thinking about how people feel about particular words and particular associations. And especially very young conservatives have reacted to that, you know, in, 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 I think in a very aggressive way. And I think because we focused um, a, a lot of our politics on cultural issues for a long time, that seems to be the stuff that, that you know, everyone is very open to discuss. The most sort of important thing in our, has been the most important thing in our politics over the last, you know, sort of 20, 30 years. And we haven't really focused so much on the economics. So as you can see, like Tucker Carlson's Ship of Falls book or his, or even to some extent his speech will get um, a lot of sort of pro-free speech um, accolades or plaudits from his audience or his audience at a speaking event. But in this speech, he said that free market capitalism is not a religion. And I don't think that in the talks, in, in the reaction to the talks he's had, um, especially at the Nixon Library, that that is what people were, were focusing on. They were focusing on their cultural animus towards liberals towards the elite that Tucker Carlson has put forward in here. But they weren't focusing on Tucker Carlson's main argument about how an economy based on private equity and uh, sort of low taxes for people who would save any excess money is not necessarily a good thing. And so I don't think within the conservative um, system there is going to be money for candidates to run, even though there might actually be a real need for working class people who vote for conservative candidates who have those conservatives represent them um, going forward in the future. And I, I, the last thing I would say is that, like the David French article, like, I think it was in the in the National Review, he he look at Dr. Carlson's argument, and then he said that um, that there there are opportunities for working class people. You know, um, they a lot of uh, National Review writers are focused on you know people tr- trying to be entrepreneurial or trying to leave those cities where. Um, there isn't so much opportunity anymore. And, you know, th- that just goes back to the things that Tucker Carlson was saying about, you know, people, f- um, people not. Well, yeah, I think it just goes back to what Tucker Carlson was saying. So there isn't a sense in which he's really convincing that space about any of the arguments um, in his in his speech. So, in the future, 
although I do think the the way the politics or the way the the social and economic issues are changing the American landscape will mean that these people are going to need those kinds of politicians or they're going to want those kind of politicians because that space is controlled by people like David French or like the, the you know the average national review writer or like the average person who would go to a T- Tucker Carlson's talk at the Nixon Library or at the Hoover Institute or who donates to the Republican Party. It's going to be very difficult to see Tucker Carlson really having a big impact on Republican politics in the near future. Although in the far future, it's, it's, I wonder where, when you know, things are going to tell. Yeah, yeah I, I, th- I think that was an interesting point you made, Toby, about perhaps the tone of Tucker Carlson is perhaps more important to the people who would watch a Tucker Carlson a broadcast exactly yeah yeah the tone is definitely um much more important yeah and whereas, the, the, whereas the, the content where he is saying things you know where the you know free market is not religion that's the type of thing that you know ourselves or you know vox or the washington post will kind of call out as an interesting point but mm-hmm. it's perhaps not the thing which is left in the mind of the viewer who's and, and some these. themes like the the themes about elites and the themes about say social issues like marijuana are themes that those kinds of people uh, sort of agree with or are interested in. But the content even around those themes is not being digested or accepted by people just like. I think um, I think it is is right that perhaps the thing that will sort of pierce the mind of the, the, the Fox News viewer will be, you know, the certain call outs, you know, you know, rich people not caring about, you know, working class people or even if you hold certain views already, such as, you know, women earning more than men is a bad thing or that, you know, what the world doesn't need is more investment bankers, you know, those types mm-hmm. of sort of easy wins are pro- perhaps the, the things that will stick with uh, with Republican viewers and maybe the more sort of finer detailed uh, point of interest uh, viewers will you know care about the more intricate arguments he makes but perhaps the tone and the themes as we're saying perhaps that's a thing that will resonate and that will sort of carry on and it is possible that we will have a maybe slightly more divided right wing I mean we we have a, a divided right wing right now in the sense that, you know, you have the sort of the people who would vote for Trump because they feel the he'll help the free market and, you know, he'll help, you know, them, you know, with their savings or whatever it is they, they feel he's going to help them with. And then you have the, the other sort of the uneducated side who's going to, you know, build a wall and he's going to, you know, stop Chinese labor coming over here and making Amazon deliveries or whatever it is he thinks they're doing. Um, and perhaps that will only increase and perhaps that's what Tucker Carlson is able to do with his, his speech is sort of appeal more to those people than necessarily the, the people he is kind of around on a day-to-day basis mm, mm, yeah yeah, that, that's exactly what he's able to do and I mean you could, you can, it's, it's always been a difference between 
the weekly standard kind of conservative um, sort of Bill Crystal and, and those people who are definitely for the Bain capital model of um, Republican sort of pro-economy who have been in the ascendancy forever. And then for, you know, working class people, you know, for Trump himself, um, Trump pushed the idea that having him be elected would be great for evangelicals because they would have the Supreme Court for, you know, another generation, and they and they have. So that's how you get the, the evangelicals. And then you get the, you know, sort of, the more sort of xenophobic working class voter who has obviously different economic interests to the weekly standard reader. You get them via the, the wall and things like that. And the Tucker Carlson seems to, you know, his monologue seems to be giving the wall voter everything he wants instead of just giving the wall voter a wall and then sort of um, savaging him, you know, in, in his in, for his Medicare and, and, and in his pocketbook. And, and I did, as, as we say, and I think a really good point that we've, we've sort of been getting at is that, that there's different levels to the Republican Party and most of the Republican Party is controlled by people who don't want any of that. So not only um, Tucker Carlson, but Ann Coulter, who writes books like, you know, Adios America, I wonder, because you, you did say, you know, she did uh, retweet something about increasing taxes or the, the Ocasio-Cortez um, thing about increasing taxes to 70% like it was in the Eisenhower administration. I wonder if that there's people like that are going to start to kind of say that um, now it is time for looking at um, working class voters and trying to push a working class to a populist agenda in economics as well and how that is going to affect the Republican movement going forward because institutionally from say young Republicans in the, at a university to TPAC to, um, to the donor class that doesn't really seem to be an argument that uh, would be effective. But then, you know, like, I, I don't really have the crystal ball to say where Republican politics is going, but this is, you know, I mean, Tucker Carlson's monologue is really a, a, maybe a first silo in a, grand war in the party um, or it's just you know Tucker Carlson staking out a particularly eccentric path that he that is just him you know I don't, I don't know how much more there is to say about uh, about the right as it stands now I mean you, you could you could close it off there or you could spend the next six weeks kind of delving into all the intricacies of the different people and their messages. It's 
Mm. It, I think the very fact that we got a Nixon reference in there makes me think that we should probably stop while we're ahead because uh, <laughs> that that's that's probably the most important thing for us is that our uh, our boy got mentioned. Yeah. So, um, is there anything else you'd like to talk about, Toby, or shall we call that a wrap? No, no, I think um, yeah, we got what we wanted to do out of this. Um, yeah, that thought it was really. Really, really interesting, actually. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I, yeah. Like I thought about the analysis and stuff like that, but like we only, we just live on Twitter. We love conservatives, and we can always just like shoot the shit and talk about them like any time. And having a, a nice case study like this is is cool. It is. Yeah. Uh, one thing I was going to mention when we were talking about all this was. I forgot to mention my favorite type of uh, Republican, and that is the ones who are on Twitter who have, I assume, very working class jobs, but will spend their their evenings debating uh, on the 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 for on behalf of millionaires and billionaires and the tax yeah. code and they shouldn't be uh, getting taxed at a higher rate, and it's gonna well, I mean, good for you, you know. We're never going to be millionaires or billionaires, but it's nice to see that those poor billionaires have people who are defending them. I mean, it's it's nice that there are people out there in the wild who feel that they should. Oh, be spending no, the Koch brothers are going to pay some people to defend them, and they do. You know, they, there's a whole sort of ecosystem of universities and think tanks, you know, and and and, and sort of fake um, <laughs> fake fellowships devoted to this kind of thing, but then. There are people who take it upon themselves, you know, like you say, they have working class jobs. They might even be a tin knocker somewhere. <laughs> and they believe this, this this thing about America that maybe, you know, was true at one point that you could sort of pull yourself from your bootstraps and everything was individual responsibility. But the thing that I think you could see in Tucker Carlson's speech and what, what I think why why it's set off this firestorm is he's thinking that like like a liberal in, in the sense that you know grand big social and economic trends do affect people and that is so different from what the way kind of, like the general kind of way Tucker Carlson has spoken before. And the the way that the Republicans speak generally, you know. Yeah, I'd also just li- like to advertise our services that Toby and I are very willing and able to talk about the the benefits of not taxing billionaires. If there are any billionaires out there who like, to <laughs> only only George Soros. Uh, great. Well, thank you for thank you for listening to this uh, new episode of a new podcast on something slightly different for myself and Toby and. Uh, Hopefully at some point uh, we will have a, a new episode uh, out on a more modern topic. Perhaps, who knows, perhaps we'll even get Tucker Carlson on to defend his mm-hmm. honour in an interview. Maybe maybe that'll come uh, 2020, 2021. I, I don't know. Tucker Carlson's probably not free at the moment, but you know, if there's a scandal at Fox News, he may fall and then he'll be a ripe guest for us. Mm-hmm. We probably could get Bill O'Reilly because I hear he does his sad... Uh... His own sad radio show. It, you know, obviously he's he was the biggest thing in in television. But you know, for, for a man who made so much money, you know, he, he's so alone. 
but maybe he he might you know come on the impressions and <laughs> tell us to, to pull off our, our bootstraps and <laughs> <laughs> stop listening to this. Yeah, yeah, stop listening to the threes. <laughs> Okay, well, for myself, Bill O'Reilly and Toby, thank you very much for listening and uh, hope to uh, have a new podcast for you in the future. Goodbye. Yeah, goodbye.